Thank you. No, it's okay. All right. Um, thank you, Gigi. You're doing well. I wish there was another, another surprise that there was no preacher. They've completed it. Lead worship, lead the service, preach. That would be something. Eh? Thank you, Malcolm. Malcolm, is, is this where we say something about camp? or? Oh, I can't say. All right. Um, camp is happening. If you don't know what camp is... Eh? All right. I don't know if the media team has that video. But um, yes, camp is happening. And it's a youth camp. So if you are in the age group of the youth, if you identify <laughs> as youth, this camp is for you. I just want to clarify that it's not a teens camp. It's a youth camp. So uh, it is there to serve each and every person who is a youth. So you can, uh, there's a registration link. Maybe at some point the media team will uh, show us that link uh, on the screens, but the fee is 100K. You can pay at the payment office, but that 100K ceases to be 100K next Sunday. After next Sunday, it will be 120K. But the camp is happening from 28th of December to uh, 2nd of January of 2023. It will happen in a place called Muduma in Mpiji. If you have never been to Muduma, I encourage you to come. So, I encourage us all to sign up. Our children, I don't know if some of us have children who are in that age group, but our nieces, nephews, friends uh, are all invited to sign up. Thank you, Zach, for the time. Thank you, Malcolm. Praise the Lord. We don't really appreciate Malcolm. There's something new about him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, let, me, let me not continue. Um, so, I'm really glad to be here. Thank you, team, for ministering to us. It's okay to say thank you, us, for ministering to us. Yeah, but thank you, band. I really thank God for this time and opportunity to be here. Uh, yes, I know we're already told to welcome our neighbors. Yeah, but you don't have to move. You can just, again, welcome them, say hello, hi. Uh, welcome to the 3 p.m. service. Uh, yeah, you can smile. That's fine. This is also, this is also a youth service, so... right so let me continue to thank god in prayer father we are grateful for your word and uh, here we are lord the children children of god and we pray lord that as we fellowship together today in music and testimony as we fellowship and hear from you, we pray that strength will come, grace uh, will be seen, um, that light will come. Scripture encourages us, the entrance of your word brings light. And so may light come because you came and John describes you as the light of all men. And the Bible says where you are is not darkness. And the relation to light speaks of freedom. And where your spirit is, there is freedom and there is liberty. So we thank you for, for liberty. Liberty to obey you, to love you, to love people, to become more and more like you. Here we are, Lord. Uh, continue to be glorified continue to be magnified. May your name be blessed over the earth as it is here with us. We thank you, we praise you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Um, so Isaac David Kisembo is my name and I'm happy to be here. Such a privilege again to be here. I am um, 
part of this church. I'm part of the youth. Especially, I, um, I'm grateful to God who saved me and, and who's still saving me and looking forward to be with him, to be one with him. Um, I am a teacher by profession and uh, I am married as well. My wife couldn't make it, but she sends her greetings. I have two children, one who is uh, four and a half and one who is six and a half. And uh, yeah, it's such a blessing. I think when we were singing through today, I was just thinking about the love that God has for us as I was thinking about the love that I have for my children. And, and I was just thinking how it cannot even be compared to what God has for us. So it's, it's, it's amazing. It's a blessing. So uh, today we, we continue on with what uh, Reverend Lovinsa began last week. And the theme for today is full of grace and truth. Okay, John 1, 14 to 18. Okay, and she began from verse 1 of, of chapter 1. And uh, yeah, this, this chapter is just, just filled with I mean, I was asking uh, Reverend Gideon the other day that how were new believers encouraged to read the Gospel of John first? I mean, <laughs> there are things I read now and I'm just thinking, what, what is going on here? Okay? So, I, I don't know. I don't know. And I guess, of course, there is a purpose to it that we'll go and see, but it has so many things here that you're just saying, Lord, help me understand all these things. Yeah, but John... <clears throat> Very clearly, as we all know, the disciple who Jesus loved, he refers to himself as that, okay, was written a little later than most Gospels, and the Reverend did quite a wonderful job, uh, you know, in speaking about this. Of course, let me remind you that while we read these Gospels, and we read them as the Gospel of John, the true translation ought to be the Gospel of Jesus Christ, according to or witnessed by John, Matthew, Luke, okay? So this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The life, the works, the words of Jesus Christ, as seen by the different uh, people, okay? So why don't we read through it? If you have your Bible, please kindly turn to John 1, or flip through, or I don't know, whatever it is. So John 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And without him Sorry, in him was life, verse 4. The life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 6, there was a man. Today, guys, have foxed me. I'm trying to see if the, the, the chapter is being displayed. But anyway, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Verse 8, he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Verse 9, the true light, okay? <laughs> I was just thinking about the true. I don't know, it's probably an implication that there are many lights that are not true lights, uh, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. When we sang the hymn, How Deep the Father, I was just thinking about the words, I think somewhere there, that say, um, was it we, we threw words at him? Something about we scoffed at him, like we were part of the people. You know, many times when we, when we watch the movies about Jesus, you look at those guys and you're like, Hey, these guys, how can they abuse Jesus? Eh? How can, like you guys, yeah. You know, but the hymn reminds us that 
I guess if we were there at that time, we would probably definitely be part of the people scoffing at Jesus and saying, crucify him, crucify him. We would be those very people. So he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came, 11, to his own people and his own people did not receive him. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the gist of, of, of our, our, our conversation today in 14, and the word became flesh, okay, related to verse 1, okay, where he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, you know. So, and the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Verse 15, John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Verse 16, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And verse 18, no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. I mean, I just kept reading that through the week and I was just thinking, what is going on here? <laughs> you know, I was just thinking, what, what is going on? Uh, but by God's grace, I believe there's something that, uh, you know, God would want to teach us. So, we're reminded of why John wrote this, okay? And Reverend Lovinsa did that last week. Why, why did John write? I mean, I mean most of the, the other Gospels do not explicitly give the reason, but John clearly gives the reason when we turn to chapter 20, okay? If you, if you may, please kindly turn to chapter 20. John clearly gives the reason, okay? And uh, in verse 30, in John 20, 30, um, and so there's a small title there, the purpose of the book. Says the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. Many others, okay? There are many others that Jesus did. In verse 31, but these are written so that you may continue to believe. So that you may continue, continue, keep on, okay? that Jesus is the Messiah, comma, the Son of God, comma, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Wow. Okay? These are written so that you may continue. This probably means that he's speaking to the believer. That Jesus is the Messiah, okay, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life. As you believe in him, life comes. As you continue to believe in Christ, life comes. That you'll believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the one who came to take away the sins of the world. So he speaks a bit, there's an evangelistic tag or aim. For those who do not know Jesus Christ, know that Jesus came to save us from our sins. One, two, that he is the true son of God. And this belief should give us eternal life. 
Now, John continues to say something interesting in John 17:3, when he says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The relationship between knowledge and life is what he's saying. Life comes through knowing that you may know. Know about what? Or know who? Know Jesus Christ, whom God has sent. Life for a believer comes through knowing, growing in the knowledge of him. And of course, we would need to ask, how do we grow in the knowledge of him? How? Okay? The knowledge of his word in what he has said. So if you may kindly turn to Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. Verse 3, he says, By his divine power, listen to this, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need. God has given us everything we need. Praise the Lord, those of you who are calling on God to give you things. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. And he says we have received all of this, listen to this, by coming to know him. So everything you need to live a godly life, you come to know him and you see what he has given. The one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and, excel and excellence. Let me just stand. The ESV says his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Life. What is life? Life is life. 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 What is life? Life. Okay? When you say life is hard. Life. Life is everyday life. Okay? But he says, he has granted to us all things that pertain. Everything to do with life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. Verse 4 says, by which he has granted... Look at this. Granted to us his precious and very great promises. So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of the sinful desire. And of course, when you read from verse 5, he goes on to say, you know, that, that famous verse, make every effort, supplement your faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, and so forth. But he begins from saying, guys, whatever you need for life and godliness, I have already granted. You have it through knowing me. And what is knowing me? Okay? Knowing his words. So the question I ask then, what are you doing to know God? How much time do you spend studying? How much time do you spend studying the word of God? How much time do you spend looking out for godly biblical material? Okay, now I don't, I don't want this to be a measure, but how many books have you read this year? That you're finished. I'm not talking about the two chapters you studied. Praise the Lord. <laughs> okay, let's put the Bible aside. I know, right? It's too big. When you get into numbers, the goal of the year has ended. You know how you start? You, Genesis, shoo, Exodus, shoo. you get to Deuteronomy numbers. Ah, you're like, Lord, how relevant is this to my life? Then you jump to the New Testament. You know, you begin the Gospels there. Hello? Yeah, as you think about those New Year resolutions, how is that going? But what about those other books? John continues to say in 16, chapter 16, 
verse 12. Jesus speaking, and he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. And 13, he says, when the spirit of truth comes, like the description he gives the spirit regarding the things that he wants to tell us that we cannot bear is the truth. The spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatsoever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things to come. How much of the truth are you consuming? The Spirit was sent to guide us into all truth. The truth of the Word, the words of life, the Bible, the words of the Bible, right from Genesis to Revelation. That is what the Spirit of God was sent to guide us in. He was sent to guide us in the words that Jesus has spoken. Imagine he actually says the Spirit does not speak of himself. So you all spiritual people, as you tell me, the Spirit of God has spoken to me. Yeah. May the Spirit guide you in what is speaking to you. What I see Jesus saying here is, he, he has been sent to guide us in the truth, in the words, in what John is saying, in the gospel, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, because that is still Christ, God speaking through men. And so how much of that are you studying? How much time do you spend in learning about the word of God? And listen to what Timothy says, if you may, 2 Timothy 2. Please kindly turn to 2 Timothy 2. In verse 15, listen to what he says. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. The KJV says, study to show yourself. Now, I don't know what meanings of the word study you know. Which ones do you know? I don't know what those, but study means ban. I think that's a word that we appreciate. Like ban. Okay. Okay, not like ban, ban things, but like ban, like sit down, study. Study to show yourself. In other words, to be approved, you have to show yourself. To show yourself, you must study. You must spend time. You must be diligent in the work of studying. And he goes on to say, a worker ha who has no need to be ashamed. Shame will come when you do not study. You will always be ashamed even when you're in people and you'll always wonder, ha, okay, so let me say this, but that guy is there. Before I say it, man, okay, this is my interpretation. Ah, 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 you're being ashamed because you're not studying. Study. Study that you will become a worker. Approved. Who has no need? Of course, there are people who have no shame in falsehood. That's another topic altogether. Okay? But so that you will not be ashamed, spend time. The more you study, let's take it away from faith. The more you study, you gain confidence. You can speak, study, spend time. You don't need to wait for 1st January. Study now. So that by the time 1st January comes, you're already in the habit. Study, spend time. Rightly handling the word of truth. Life for a believer. Eternal life. Knowing God cannot be separated from knowing the Bible. Are you guys hearing me? You must spend time in the Bible. And so when we finish school and we are like, I'm done with books... 
then you don't want to grow. If you want to grow, you must study. And it's not talking about just pass this over. Man, today I just read two verses. I was running. Uh-uh. Study. The psalmist says in chapter 1, Blessed is the man who meditates on the word day and night. Now, whether that for you means actual doing it, or it actually means there's a sense in which this is always before me. Always God's word is before me. You must study. And then there's an interesting verse in Psalm 138 that I keep, I mean, I just keep looking at it. I'm just thinking, wow, this, this is uh, something. Uh, the guys up there, if you can just help me open it. Psalm 138, the first verses. Um, I give thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart before the gods. I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Listen to that last bit. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Now, let, let, let me read... Um, let me read the... Uh, let me read the, the NIV. Um, For you have so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. Of course, he was actually speaking, of course, his fame is his word, is his name. Uh, no, let me read the KJV. I think that, that's better. Um, so the last bit, he says, For thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. The ESV, of course, joins them together. But he, he actually speaks about the fact that above his name, he has exalted his word. Of course, the interpretation of his name here being his fame, okay? But he's actually saying that beyond fame, I've exalted my word. That's how much God's word means to him. He has exalted his word. So when we speak of, when the believer is invited to dive in into his word, he's saying, guys, for you to become like me, you must love spend time, meditate, study his word. His word. And so, the labor that, you know, me just trying to do this is really to show the purpose when he says that they may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you might have life in his name. And James, I think, says, Faith comes, I think James or Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing. How do you build faith? How do you build your trust in God? You must hear. The hear, of course, is read, study, that you might hear. Study and meditate. So John writes that you will receive strength as a believer, that you will grow in him the more that you hear the words of Christ. Now, that's to us. There's a possibility here that there's one of you who has not known Christ as Lord. Or oh, there's a possibility you could be wondering whether you truly know Christ. The question must be asked every time for me as well. Are you truly a Christian? Are you a believer? Have you repented of your sins? Are you walking a life of repentance in accordance to works? Is a reflection of your faith with what you do? Is it a matter of what you speak? Or is it being reflected in your words? Paul speaks in Ephesians 2, okay? And he says, um, 
in verse 1, and you are dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desire of the body and the mind, our by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive. Are you a Christian? Do you truly know Christ? Have you come to Christ? Have you repented of your sin? Have you acknowledged how filthy you are? And how it's only the grace of God that can save you. John writes those words in saying, you need to come to Christ. And so repent, repent, come to Christ. Repent and come to Christ. So, that's a bit of, 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 of the catch up. Now, in, in 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. John writes in Revelation chapter 21. Um, in Revelation 21. In verse 3, Revelation 21, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold the dwelling place of God is with man. This is beautiful. Behold the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. Oh, and God himself will be with them as their God. The dwelling place of God is with man. It is so important for us to recognize that God had to come. God the Son had to come and be man. Now, I know there's always a wondering, but maybe he was... In those moments of difficulty, he, was, he would then turn back to God. And there's always been uh, a famous heresy, Gnosticism, okay? That, that God was not fully man. He was mostly spirit. But it's important for us to appreciate salvation. We need to take it that God came and dwelt with us. He became like us in all forms. This is what Jesse Riley writes. He says, like ourselves, he was born of a woman. Though born in a miraculous manner, like ourselves, he grew from infancy to boyhood and from boyhood to man's estate, both in wisdom and in stature, as Luke writes. Like ourselves, he hungered, he thirsted, he ate, he drank, he slept, he was worried, he felt pain, he wept, he rejoiced, he marveled, he, he was moved from anger to compassion. Having become flesh and taken on a body, he prayed, he read the scripture, I mean he went to the temple, he suffered being tempted, though without sin, he submitted his human will to the will of God, and finally in the same body, he suffered and shed his blood. He died, he was buried, he rose again, and he ascended up into heaven. And yet all this time, he was God as well as man. Perfect man and perfect God. Christ experienced everything that we experience. Everything that we experienced. And so there was no way at no one time should we think and feel like there were moments where I think now he took on the nature of Christ when this was going on. Whatever you went through, Christ went through. The only thing that didn't happen is he did not sin. And this is very important. It's important because then we can appreciate Hebrews 4.15, that he sympathizes with us that he understands our weaknesses, that he appreciates the temptation that we go through, that in him saying, I have given you grace to go through, he knows exactly how difficult it might be. But this also helps us appreciate that the reason he came to become flesh, the only way that he could take on sin is by becoming man. And so he fully conquered sin 
because he did not sin, but also because he died on the cross. We can fully relate. We can fully relate with Christ. Or the other way around, Christ fully relates with where you are. He knows where you are. It's important. Do not miss the fact, and don't try to be like, "Ah, yeah, but Christ was God. No, no, no. He was fully God, and he was fully man. And so he went through whatever you go through. But let me say something cautiously as well. Christ suffered in whichever way that we suffer. Christ was depressed. Someone actually once said, (laughs) if Christ could have been in this generation, he might have been diagnosed with suicide, mental health. Because in the garden, he got to the point where he said, Lord, this is difficult. I cannot bear it. This pain is too much. He was actually saying, guys, I want to die. And so he fully appreciates the pain that you go through where you feel like I must end my life. And yet he says, not my will, but your will be done. He appreciates and he gives you the grace in moments where you feel like you should end your life. He gives you the grace to go through that time. And so God gives you grace in pain. And so I struggle, let me say I struggle here. I struggle when I hear people say Christ came to completely deal with pain on this earth. That's difficult because Christ went through pain and suffering. Because that's the only way Christ can relate with some of you who say, but why isn't this sickness going away? But why? Yet in pain, his presence is fully available to you. In pain, he's fully there. Yes, he came to completely deal with sin and death. He completely dealt with it at the cross. And yes, partly he does come and he heals our diseases and he makes us well. But that's not fully complete. Why? Because you still have the body. And guess what? That body will decay. And decay means there'll be pain. (laughs) You will age. Okay? And yes, while there might be a sense in which you feel better and you know there's healing... That should not be a place where you dwell so much. Should we pray for his healing? Absolutely. But it's important to recognize that he fully came to take our sin and death away. And for you who calls on someone, who calls on a relative and wonder, Lord, why aren't you bringing healing? Yet for you, he says, I went through that pain and suffering. I am there with you. The presence of pain does not in any way mean the absence of Christ. Even more and more in pain, Christ is there. Praise the Lord. He is there. He is with you in decay and in pain. His presence is absolutely there because he went through it. He went through a place where he said, I need to end this. He's present for you. And so for whatever situation and circumstance you might go through and wonder, but Lord, are you present? He says, I am present. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient in your weakness. My grace is sufficient in your pain. My grace is sufficient in your suffering. My grace is sufficient in a place where no one else sees. My grace is sufficient for you. Christ heals. He heals completely of sin and death. But Christ is present in pain and in suffering. And so he speaks and he says, um, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, 
glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This grace, he speaks of God's love for you and I in sending his one and only Son, okay? In sending Christ to die for you. And truth, when he says in John 14, 6, and he said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The grace and the truth must not be separated. Because to fully experience his grace, you must experience his truth. His truth must be experienced. Then grace you will experience and so when John says, John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. It reminds me of Romans 8, 29, you know, to 30 and Ephesians 1, 4. Then what is this grace? Is it grace that says, hey, you've been free, you know, do what you want. That's not the grace. When he says grace upon grace, he speaks about a grace that saves, a grace that sustains, a grace that will deliver you to the Father. That's the grace. And so when Titus in 2.11 says the grace of God has appeared before men, bringing salvation, the grace saves. Because the law brings to that place and says, hey, I am dead. But when God comes through his son, he says, hey, I save you. But I don't just save you. I give you grace to walk and become like me. That's the purpose of his grace. And so when John bears witness and says, guys, this guy, I cannot rank. I, I mean, he outranks me completely. And you need to remember, John by then, Man, John was the guy. John was the guy. Okay? John was the guy. But by the time he comes and says, hey, I need to step back because I can't. No wonder he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold, guys, see this. I've been, I've been doing a baptism, you know, a certain kind of repentance. Look at a baptism that will give you the spirit of God. The spirit that will teach you and guide you into all truth. That will enable you to say no to ungodliness. That is the grace of God. And so Paul speaks in Romans 8. That this didn't happen when you see it now, this happened before the foundations of the world. He says in, in, in Romans 8, 29, 30, those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image. This grace was not foie. This grace has a purpose. The truth you know must make you become more and more like Christ. You must continue to become and, you know, be made into his image in order that you may be the firstborn among the brothers. In verse 30, he says, those he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he justified. And on that day when we will see him, you will be glorified to see Christ as he is. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That the master, the enemy of sin, who gets you scared of death, has been broken. That bondage has been broken. Sin no longer reigns in your mortal bodies. You have a new master. Righteousness. Becoming like Christ. And so Ephesians, when he says, even as he chose you in him, Ephesians 1, 1, verse 4, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless. The connotation again, holy and blameless. He came, grace came, grace upon grace. Grace and truth is that you will become not like yourself, but that you will become like Christ. And Ephesians says you are his workmanship created in Christ for good works. Again, the goal is to become like Christ. That's why grace came. And so, 
in John speaking about, you know, this grace, when he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, you know, he, 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 he was here with us, and he's still here with us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the sun. You know, the sun exalted. The sun, you know, where, where the law was, was doing, bringing us to that place of condemnation. Grace comes. Full of grace and truth. And, and John bears witness of this. For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. And so as I close, this grace is the reception the reception of this truth isn't purposeless. The purpose, the knowledge that I spoke of is that salvation comes. And verse 12 of Titus 2, 11, Titus 2, training us to renounce, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. And he goes on to say, and to live. Don't just renounce it. Don't just say, no, I'm done with this. No, walk a life of self-control. Upright and godly lives. And verse 13, he says, Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great Savior, Jesus Christ. That the point of grace should lead you to hope day by day. For when you'll be one with Christ. And like I said, when John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what he's saying. Grace to save. Grace to keep. Grace to deliver to the Heavenly Father. And no wonder when Christ speak, speaks in Luke, If you then, you who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? the gift of the Spirit. Grace has come. And so in 17, for the law of John, John 1, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus. And so 18, and that's the comparison, he's really saying, hey, Moses brought the law, but think about this, grace and truth came through Christ. And in verse 18, he ends it by saying, no one has ever seen God, the only God. Now, I don't care how many people tell us that they have gone to heaven and seen God, you know. But, but clearly he says, no one has ever seen God, okay. But the unique one who is himself God, the NLT says, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Christ. We see God when we see Christ. And so as you think about his birth, as you think about him coming, God himself, his wonderful love and grace is revealed through the person of Jesus Christ. And I end with this quote. He that was with God and was God, he's also Emmanuel, God with us. Hallelujah. Emmanuel, God with us. No, 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 not just that time, but in your pain, in your weakness, in your suffering, Christ, the very God, is with you. He takes our sin and gives you grace. To say no to sin. Let's bow our heads. Let's think about that truth. Grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. You know, I just invite you, for you who has not known Christ, you know, I give you a moment to come to him and say, Lord, I hear your message. 
forgive me for my sin. You came as a Messiah. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Let's say have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And lead me and be Lord in my life. And then to you who has known Christ, you who claims to know him, his love and truth in giving you grace is to become more and more like him. And so yes, tell him, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for despising this grace. And help me to walk a life that pleases you. Because the grace has appeared to bring salvation. But to say no, to renounce, to say no to ungodliness. live a life that is self-controlled and pleases him. And that, 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 that God we see through Jesus Christ. So Father, we exalt you and we bless your name. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. You don't just come to dwell with us you save us you keep us to be one with you give us grace to run the race bishop of our souls help us to finish well Lord stir up that hope in our hearts and I pray for you who is going through pain and suffering. Yes, I pray that you will experience his healing. Physically, absolutely, you do. But I pray, if not for that, that you experience his presence. That you hear him say, I am here with you. I am here with you. I have always been here. That you may not get that full physical healing, but you know that I am always here with you. And death is not the end of the story. Because my grace is sufficient for you. Lord, help us to see you as the day draws near. Help us to exalt you and help us to speak of you, what you have done for us. Give you many, many thanks. This we pray in Jesus' name.